Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. From, from page, page to screen. Page to screen. So, right. What are we here to talk about tonight? Well, Rob and Stuart are here. You're Rob. I'm Stuart. We're here to talk about the apocalypse and, oh, yes. uh, and apocalyptic movies. But let's, let's chat about an apocalypse first. So, um... Something you mentioned earlier was the definition of an apocalyptic movie, because you know you're going to get some smart aleck out there who's like, well, technically that film isn't an apocalypse. It's actually a (laughs) dystopian future movie and all that sort of stuff. So in your brain, what rules have you set down for your choices in apocalyptic movies? I think for me, uh, your kind of apocalyptic movie is something uh, where – the earth or the planet in which it is set has gone through some kind of catastrophe, major catastrophe, you know, probably killing, you know, millions of people um, or kind of altering the, the, the very kind of uh, foundation of uh, whatever uh, life lives there. So I think my rules are kind of similar. Mine is basically when the world's gone to crap. Yeah. Um, so, yes, there might be some titles that I mentioned that people may go, that's not technically an apocalyptic movie. Uh, I don't care. We're, we're not doing like a, a master's degree on post-apocalyptic, post-apocalyptic cinema. If we don't mess up the word post-apocalyptic or apocalyptic in this episode <laughs> many, many times, I'll be very, very surprised. There's a reason I've got some Pepsi Max to wet my whistle and uh, mm. stop me from going to talk about so, yeah, basically for me, it's when the world's gone to crap. A bit like 2023 yeah. and 2022, 21, yeah. 20, 19, 18, and so on. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I think the last decent year was probably about 1985, if I'm being honest. I can't remember. The, you know, just <laughs> it sounds a good year to me. It's got the, so got it the does. 80s in there. It has some great films. Um, so I know you've been watching some apocalyptic movies over the past few weeks and then it sort of just came to being that hey why don't we just do this as like a, a video podcast youtube it is also going out on audio so we'll try not to do too many like visually things um but what is your one question i've got to ask you is what got you into like it's a weird genre to like isn't it you go what's your favorite genre well house invasion movies for me and apocalyptic movies it's an unusual one to like so what got you into it and when um i think the biggest um reason of getting into post-apocalyptic movies is escapism um you know it's a world that is drastically changed you know you, you don't see um rick grimes on the walking dead doing a nine-to-five and then coming home and fighting the zombies you know his his day is about survival it's about kind of looking after his his kind of little social group and you know that's where it ends you haven't got to worry about all the politics in the world you haven't got to worry about going on twitter um and obviously you know, defending yourself against uh, 500 trolls or, or whatever it may be. It's it's 
a simpler way of life. I'm not saying it's easier because obviously fighting zombie hordes or whatever it may be, um, you know, could be very difficult. Um, but it's 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 just getting you out of that kind of reality that you live in, and you know, very much like uh, you know the sci-fi genre that I love love so much as well. It's um, you know a different time, a different place, just somewhere to escape to. I think for me, the reason, and I've liked them since I was a kid, I will get on to in a minute asking you what the first one you remember watching was, uh, as as will I. But I think for me, when I was a kid watching a post-apocalyptic movie or an apocalyptic movie was pure escapism. You were like, that, that is a world I'm never going to see. It's never mm-hmm. going to happen. You know, and then you start watching some films that I'm going to mention. You're like, crap, maybe maybe it will happen. Oh, I get a bit nervous now. 2020. <laughs> Welcome to 2020. Um, and I had my first experience of that in 1984, which we'll get onto at some point. But it was it was a world I would never see. It mm. was a world I would never experience. And I could watch the film, go, wow, that looks like a scary world to be in. Now I'm kind of like, you know what? I'm aligning with you, going, if that happened, and life would be a bit easier. Mm. There'd be there'd be no Marvel versus DC or Xbox versus PlayStation or Call of Duty versus Battlefield. There would be I need some food, I need a place to sleep, and whatever that thing is that's chasing me, I need to outrun it or kill it. Yes. So so life would be a lot more simplistic, I think. Not yeah. necessarily any less dangerous, I think either, to be honest. I mean, yeah, hordes of zombies. That's never a good thing, but life in itself is kind of dangerous, to be honest. Just go on X or Twitter or Facebook. I think the biggest difference, though, between um, actual life and uh, post-apocalyptic is um, your bad day in a post-apocalyptic world is probably, like I say, that horde of zombies. So if you're not very happy with that horde of zombies, you go and hit it around the head with a baseball bat. Whereas you can't do that with, uh, you know, work colleagues or bosses or, you know, people who <laughs> annoy you out on the street or while you're shopping in a supermarket or or you're not supposed to anyway. Yes, you're not supposed to. I was going to say you can. Yes, yeah, so some people will <laughs> go that far. However, however <laughs> it's probably not recommended that you do so. Um, so what was the first one that you remember and when? Um the first post-apocalyptic film and TV series were both Planet of the Apes, I think. Um, You know, Planet of the Apes was something that, you know, I grew up on. It was kind of your staple, um, you know, Sunday TV on Channel 4 or whatever it may may have been. Um, And you kind of lived through that, you know, episode by episode. And obviously when the movies came out because uh and, and onto a platform i could access them on which w- was the tv then uh it was just kind of uh you know well i've been watching the tv series so we'll just jump onto the movie so once again you watch things in the wrong order rob like you did yeah. with breaking bad and battle call Saul. Uh, i very much enjoy doing that <laughs> Uh, when was the last time you watched the Planet of the Apes? And obviously, for anybody listening, we're talking about the older ones. The, you know, yeah, the, we're talking about the original. Charlton Heston and um, stuff. The original, probably three or four years ago now. Okay. They still hold up? They do. They do. Um, we... Obviously, you know, the, the ape costumes are a bit dated. But if you look oh. at that, 
you know, because obviously they're, not, they're never going to look live up to um, the the reimagined movies um, for the realism. But you know, they they're still cracking movies, and you know, so much in it. You know, that iconic scene for me is where you see um, the Statue of Liberty, and it's like, oh my, you know, this is Earth, and that is this big landmark, and it's just only half there now. And that was filmed where Mr. Neil Johnson uh, used to live, or maybe still does live. But yeah, that's a beach near him. So uh, I thought I would say that rather than him messaging me, go, I live near that beach. It would be very cool. I think if I lived near that beach, I'd be taking lots of pictures and stuff of, of that where the, the statue was. You'd be one of those people who went out and bought like a, a miniature Statue of Liberty oh, model and just kind of half buried it in the sand and then did some kind of close up photography. I'd have all sorts. I'd have Blackpool Towers. I'd have leaning tower pieces. <laughs> I would have like all sorts of Empire State Buildings. I'd have all those, and I would just do a series of them. Look what you did! <laughs> you killed it all. Um, for me, I think the first one was probably Mad Max, the first uh-huh. Mad Max, which I saw. And I can't quite remember whether I saw Mad Max Two: The Road Warrior first or the first Mad Max. I suspect it was the first Mad Max, and it was on rental VHS. Back in the, back in the day, and yeah, I, you know, looking at the first Mad Max movie, it's like I don't really want to live in that world because it wasn't <laughs> quite, you know, um, the world had collapsed. It had, but it wasn't desolated like Thunderdome or the yeah. Road Warrior or Fury Road. But it still looks like the world had gone to crap, and there was just biker gangs running around, uh, just dragging people up and down the roads with chains. And thank God we had a 19 year old Mel Gibson to try and save the day. So that was quite good. And then obviously I went on to see uh, The Road Warrior, which is one of the best post-apocalyptic films out there. I think, you know, that it, it does show the the kind of the range of post-apocalyptic films because, you know, my go-to at the moment with, you know, things like The Walking Dead still being very popular um, around the world and a big favourite of mine my go-to when I'm talking about post-apocalyptic stuff is just mentioning zombies. Whereas, you know, there's so many different films out there. You know, one of my, um, my favorite films actually, um, was, um, uh, day after tomorrow. Yeah. And, you know, no zombies in that, um, just bad weather, which I think if you've been living in the UK recently, uh, you've seen a bit of that. Well, I think all over the world's been experiencing it, to be honest, but um, we've had uh, some, you know, lovely rain that's uh, caused a bit of havoc over the last few days. And yeah, even that, you know, it, it's, it's a fantastic film. It's not the post-apocalyptic world I'd choose to live in. <laughs> no, no, it's not an exciting um, looking one. But, you know, it, it's uh, it's still uh, kind of a gripping film to watch. Um, Which I saw that one at the cinema. So I was yeah. I was at the time a Roland Emmerich fan. So it's like Independence Day, Stargate, yeah. and Day After Tomorrow. And 2012 was also another one that would yeah. probably fit into the Day After Tomorrow. Very, yeah, very good film. Um, but yeah, so what what was the one that sparked you off? You'd watched one recently. Which I think you and I were actually going to do a full podcast with it, but a certain person hasn't replied about it, so it's like you know what we'll just we'll um, see. Yeah, I was just, um, you know, had nothing to watch, 
um, decided to, um, you know, have a look at what I should uh, check out. And um, Night of the Comet was uh, recommended to me. So um, I sat down, started watching the movie and fell in love, I think, in the first five minutes and thought, yep, I am going to absolutely kind of love this movie. It's it was just I I think as soon as that movie opens up and you've got kind of the old cinema with um, the old arcade machines and and just how um, the, the character playing the arcade machine is acting towards a boss and everything. There's just something about it that says, yeah, there's this film isn't going to go wrong. It's just going to kind of make me happy and uh, bring a smile to my face. It's pure 80s, isn't it? With the oh, music, yeah. with the dress sense, with the video games. I think it's Tempest, I think, they're, they're playing. Uh, everything. That's like, it belongs in the 80s, but it still works now, I think, that film. I, I think one of the things that really stands out and I absolutely love about the film is just the use of neon lighting, <laughs> Um, especially at the radio station. It, you know, I look at that radio station and think if there is an ultimate man cave, that is probably it. Yeah, probably. And it's quite a minimal cast as well, because it's a small film, but it looks bigger than yeah. the, bu- the budget probably was. I, I can't. I did listen to the commentary uh, within the past couple of weeks, and I've forgotten what the budget was, but it wasn't huge. It was bigger than the the films the producers had previously done but it still wasn't massive but it looked pretty epic with the deserted streets which they they did at silly o'clock in the morning uh at some point in the film and i haven't found them you can see window washers doing their work (laughs) so the director does like to joke on the commentary thing saying uh if anybody could spot the zombie window washers let us know so that was just something they figured you know what people aren't going to be able to see that because it's way in the distance, but now you pick the film up on Blu-ray and you watch it on a big TV, you you may be able to. I haven't seen them yet, but you know, I will look for them at some point. Part of me wants to say the budget was seven hundred thousand dollars. Okay, but still seven hundred thousand more than I've got. Well, oh yes, and apparently equivalent today, that's about three million. So, yeah. um, you know, still not a big budget, but such a great film, and I think. Another reason to love it for me, obviously, is um, the Chakotay uh, from Star Trek Connection. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, I, I just fell in love with that film. It's like I say, first five minutes I was hooked and there was no way I was going to turn it off and just yeah. kind of went all the way through. And then I remember getting getting to the end and going, Stuart, Stuart. <laughs> Because didn't you then follow it up with Miracle Mile, which was also a film that I reckon, and also has a Star, yes. Trek, Star Trek connection in it as well with Denise Crosby in there. Mm-hmm. But uh, so shifting onto that, what was your thoughts on Miracle Mile, which I adore that film. I also have that on Blu-ray. Um, it's one of those films that I can safely say kind of threw a curveball at me because I love the movie and all the way through, I was certain that, um, the the main characters were gonna kind of live to tell the tell the tale, and obviously yeah. it's it's not a spoiler if you haven't watched it by now. Tough luck. Yeah. It's from like um, nineteen eighty nine or nineteen ninety or something. It's <laughs> it's quite a few years old. But even though you know it didn't go the way um, that I thought it was gonna go, it's shocking how brutal the 
the kind of the ending of the characters are. And and I suppose in one way you can look at it as a bit sweet. I do. Because, you know, they'd found love and, you know, um, they, they were going together. But in another way, it is it's so, so brutal. And they will be together forever. So it's, it's, it's quite sweet and romantic if you look at it that way. Mm. A little bit. <laughs> also a bit of a, a sweet and romantic ending, not, um, but it does have a kicker of the ending is the mist, the movie uh, of that, which I'm of someone about the film, not the TV series. There is a TV series as well, which I'm, I never finished watching it. Cause it's like, you know what? I've seen the film, but maybe I should go back. See, to I watch. prefer the TV series over the film, but I watched the TV series first. And there was no kind of nostalgia element on the film. I didn't watch that years ago. Yep. But the ending of The Mist is definitely one of the kicker of the endings uh, of any film, to be honest. Mm-hmm. And I remember the studio actually begged and pleaded Frank Darabont to just change the ending. For the love of God, please, Jim. Anyway, <laughs> nope. They offered to pay him extra money. He's like, nope, got to have this ending. Stephen King apparently loves the ending because, you know, he wrote the book. But yeah. uh, I think it's it's a phenomenal film. Mm-hmm. So what else do you like? What are some of your favorites? Because we could literally spend hours and hours talking about Post oh yeah, um, and we, we will get onto TV within this episode as well. But what what are some of your favourite ones? Um, probably a standout one for me um, is I Am Legend. At the time, um, I Am Legend came out. Obviously, Will Smith was very much um, kind of in everything, um, and I thought that was a great movie. And then it wasn't until years later that I saw there was this alternate ending version so I thought okay I'll watch it again um, and this was only probably two three years ago and I watched that one again loved the movie Will Smith survives in this one you know compared to, to the original the only downside was why couldn't they save the dog as well <laughs> yeah there is that thing where <laughs> animals you're kind of worried about animals in apocalyptic uh... yeah apocalyptic movies they don't usually fare too well to be honest well i think that's the thing when when i look at these tv shows movies it's like well you know what if the if the human gets caught usually the human's done something stupid like walk out of their bunker or you know gone for a swim whatever it is they've decided to do and get themselves eaten by a zombie or or whatever it may be but then there's these poor animals that either get kind of forced out with the stupid human owner um you know or or it's just great for the filmmaker to go you know what let's get a bit more blood and gore in in it let's uh, sacrifice you know this dog or whatever it may be but sometimes the dog does okay like the tom hanks starring finch mm-hmm you know where where tom hanks builds a robot with the sole purpose of looking after a dog if Tom Hanks isn't around anymore. So I know that to me, you couldn't get more heart wrenching, you know, it's it, that it's just a love story to um, Tom Hanks's dog, you know, his pet dog. And that to me, you know, Tom Hanks, if I was going to say, if he's a real person, but he is, if his character was a real person, you know, he'd be on my Christmas card list for, you know, for for the rest of his short life. 
And what you would need to do is get a postman to deliver it. And talking about postman, <laughs> the Kevin Costner film, The Postman. And segues do not get any better than that because that was just perfect. So what's your, that is a film that's widely hated by a lot, a lot of people. I, I don't love know with people. It's a title. I, I, think. I think it's I was, a title. I was in high school when I watched The Postman for the first time. Um, and it came out and I was instantly a fan um i had the vhs and i had the dvd um to me it's one of those films again it's the world has changed and you know through through actions of kind of selfishness um, the postman ends up being a hero and bringing kind of happiness to many. You know, it's it, it's such a great story. Um, you know, I th- and I, I, I think am a fan of stories that that have good in them, yeah. and it has good in it. It is. I would. I'd probably put it up there with Dancing with Wolves. To be honest, it's like yeah. if, I'd, if I had to choose. Which one's better? I think I would struggle as to whether I prefer Dancing with Wolves, which I do enjoy, and The Postman, which I also do enjoy. But they both mm-hmm. they feel very similar to each other. They're both like they three, hour, three hours long or whatever. But uh, I have the soundtracks to both of them as well. So it's mm-hmm. I'm, I'm a huge fan of The Postman. I think if it was called something different, I think people would look upon it differently. I think, yeah. you know, post-apocalyptic film about The Postman is an instant the hell's that about that sounds kind of stupid but if you watch the film that's kind of what he sets himself up as so he yeah. can get get food and shelter he's like well i'll just pretend to be a postman so mm-hmm. i can get in and and people are like me and give me stuff yeah. but it's, it's very very good uh i do feel sorry for the donkey in the pot so you know the donkey doesn't do too well in no. the postman apparently it tastes very nice but you know doesn't doesn't fare well does not make it to the end credits Again, you know, it, it's this kind of um, misrepresentation of animals. You know, that there needs to be some kind of, um, you know, donkey actors guild or something like that. I don't know what you would call it. I mean, you've got S SAG, um, you've got WGA, maybe ass for donkeys. <laughs> I don't know the Association of Screen. Something I don't know what the final S would stand for, but yeah, there needs to be some sort of union to protect. Uh, animal characters within the movie yes. there are obviously always there is one already Peta to protect the animals but we need one for the on screen mm-hmm. and uh, also the tiger at the walking dead should be definitely protected I fell yeah, out with that, that fell out with that show for many years because of that <laughs> CGI tiger dying yeah f- fully CGI but still mad you know, I was you... I was livid I'm like fuck this show I'm out I'm done yeah exactly Forget it. Take, take Rick take you know Glenn just leave the tiger Yep, it's like, oh, Tiger or Daryl. Daryl's got to go. Sorry, Daryl, yeah, I like it, but but let's save the Tiger. But yeah, the Tiger did not make it. So, and, um, and to be fair, you know, mentioning the Tiger and that particular scene from The Walking Dead, I really can't see how a group, I think it was only three or four zombies, could yeah. take out a Tiger. I'm telling you, that Tiger could have just ripped those zombies' heads off and just walked off and had a, a nice afternoon. Well, if I remember, they were in like a riverbed, and I think the tiger tried to run up the side of the riverbed to get out, but it slipped. 
and then I think the, the zombies got. I, it, I still, I still bastards. believe that the tiger would have the speed and agility. You've seen a cat. You drop a cat from whatever height. It yeah. lands on its feet. It can turn in midair. It can, it can do all kinds of somersaults in midair that we could only imagine. That cat could have taken those zombies. I think it was really bad writing and bad research on the on the Walking Dead team. Well, I think it was the C I think it was the CGI team that did the tiger because why didn't they just render it so the tiger got out? So I think it's those people, those men and women who do the CGI, I think it's them to blame. Yeah, I, I think there should have been um certainly a campaign where everybody kind of protested and demanded that the tiger was brought back. Maybe, <laughs> you know, we've seen the kind of campaigns where you'd send peanuts in the post and that kind of stuff. Maybe something like sending steaks in the post to the no, CGI fr- team or fr- frosties, cereal yeah. frosties. So obviously, I, mean, I don't know whether people in America are familiar with frosties, but that's a cereal. Over but in the they're UK. great. Uh, they're great. And their mascot was a tiger, but, and it's quite bad that I can't even remember the tiger's name. Tony. <laughs> No, not that one. The the Walking Dead tiger. Oh, um, exactly. We care so much about this tiger, we can't even remember its damn name. <laughs> but never mind. I, I think it's something beginning with S. Oh, probably. It's like I don't know what it was, but, but it's yeah, not we'll, Shia Khan. We'll probably remember. Text me at three in the morning. Me like I remember his name. Um, <laughs> but you're talking about your admiration of I Am Legend. One of my favourite apocalyptic movies is a previous version of that same story called The Omega Man. Uh, haven't so, seen it. From 1971, Charlton Heston plays the Will Smith role effectively. He's mm-hmm. uh, a scientist, and the world's gone to crap. And there's all these sort of—they look like sort of zombie monks that are just outside his house, just trying to get him all the time. But it was based on the same book that I Am Legend was based on, and the Omega Man was also based on—I think it was called like Last Man on Earth or something like that. Uh, okay. So it's been made a whole bunch of times. Mm. So I would definitely, I mean, the Omega Man definitely looks like a film from the 70s. But if you like films like Silent Running, which is another apocalyptic mm-hmm. movie, I that never fail, fails to uh, get my allergies going and a nice little tear <laughs> in my eye. I don't know if you've seen Silent Running. Or I have, yeah. Uh, and Silent Green. Yeah. Which was another one. So those three films in the 70s were like, whoa, the world's well grim. Get me out of here. Bring me on, bring so, on Star Wars, because it's happening. Mega Man, though, did that have a dog? I don't believe so, no. Great, I'm in. I'll watch that movie. Yeah, I had Charlton Heston um, and a whole bunch of crazy people chucking fire uh, Molotov cocktails through Charlton Heston's window, trying to get him out, because for some reason they didn't like him. I think they sort of figured it was he caused the apocalypse because he was a scientist. I think there was that. Yeah, but uh, but yeah, definitely seek out the Mega Man because that was awesome. Great. So, so what else springs to? What's your thoughts on the Mad Max movies? Um, I I enjoy them. Um, don't get me wrong, but they're not up there as my favourite, and I don't know why. Because you know, uh, I've seen them all, um, and I do enjoy watching them. I think I think I like an apocalypse movie that kind of gets away from the everyday. In the everyday now, you do have a lot of bad that goes on in the world. You do have kind of, you know, your thugs who like to beat up the the little old grannies and, you know, all that kind of stuff. So there's not as big a jump 
from the world we live in today to Mad Max compared to the world we live in today and, you know, um, The Living Dead or something like that. Yeah. I mean, are you including Fury Road in that one? Have you seen that one? I have, yes. Right, okay. And, And I thought it was very good. I love that movie. That's probably my favourite of the Mad Max movies. I do like all four of them, mm-hmm. but I think Fury Road just blew me away when I saw that yeah. cinema because there was no way that should have been that good. You know, it's Mad Max, it's Mel Gibson. So to do a Mad Max movie that isn't Mel Gibson, you're like, this can't possibly work. It's like trying to have a Joker movie without Jack Nicholson playing it. And who's this yeah. Heath Ledger guy? Guess what? Turns out it's amazing. Uh, and the same way, I think, Fury Road as well. Uh, Escape from New York, that is a film that I would just have to put in my list of films to talk about. I absolutely love John Carpenter's Escape from New York. Mm-hmm. I'm guessing it's a film you've seen. It is. God, God for that. I was about to end this pod. There you go. John Carpenter's, uh, yes, they live. Roddy Piper. Rest in peace. <laughs> Yeah, but, you know, being a, a wrestling fan then, um, whenever these movies came out that, you know, had a uh, a leading role or even a cameo for a, for a wrestling superstar, then I was always there kind of um, wanting to watch it. And, yeah, I think Roddy Piper p- plays a great character, you know. Um, you know, it's, it's just one of those classic movies. And it kind of, I mean, it was released in the late 80s, and yeah. I think now it's still very relevant. Because oh, it's yeah. all, you know, you don't see what's going on. All these corporations are trying to make you do as if that would ever come true. Come on, give me a break. But, uh, yeah, I've got a nice little, um, my they live funky box set with all sorts of stuff in it here, which people on the audio cannot see that I'm just holding up my they live box set. But uh, it's, it's a great Blu-ray edition uh, with a nice poster and art cards and the soundtrack and special features and everything in it. So... I was disappointed when uh, setting up for the podcast because um, I didn't have any post-apocalyptic um, artwork to display behind me. So um, we've got the uh, the good old Star Wars. You have, but I really love that poster. So I know you like do. Really, so and I keep doing when that. I was choosing which one I was going to put up, it was uh, the Return of the Jedi because I know, just like me, it's yep. your favourite from the original trilogy. So. It is. I like them all, but Jedi has everything. But uh, but there's no no real apocalyptic stuff unless you happen to be a, a rebel soldier, of course, uh, in that. So um, I'm trying to think. It's like there's so many. I was I thought I'll have a look online and just see. I'll just look at a little list of post-apocalyptic movies. My God, there's loads. There's oh, loads there that, that I'd not really classed as post-apocalyptic films. When you look at them, you're like, why would you not think it was? But mm-hmm. things like Pixar's Wally, oh, which cracky ob- movie, obviously is one. But if you're thinking, write me a list of post-apocalyptic films, see, I'm nearly fluffing it up. Then you don't go, oh, I know the first one. It's Wally. But yeah, and I think out there, I think they did a great job with Wally because I think if you are an adult and you like the the post-apocalyptic genre. Then you can jump into Wally if you're watching it with your kids at the cinema or whatever it may be, and you can really enjoy the movie. But obviously, they've done this great job of it not being scary. It doesn't have zombies, you know. It's just um, a human race that have overconsumed, killed the killed the world, and um, decided, you know what, we'll we'll leave it behind and blast off in the stars to to destroy something else. And, uh, you know, these little cute robots left on Earth to try and uh, clean up our mess. 
how to get kids into apocalyptic stuff. It's amazing. <laughs> Start them young. So what age were you when you first sort of realized, I'm going to admit, I really like these apocalyptic sort of movies? Well, I think, like I say, the um, Planet of the Apes came when I was probably about eight years old. I'd, I'd watched Planet of the Apes and then it's probably just grown from them. Uh, I think the fact that I'm a big sci-fi fan because I got it whilst watching Planet of the Apes, I'd also watched the original Star Trek. Um, the whole science fiction genre is, you know, very much kind of aligned and side by side with post-apocalyptic stuff. Mm-hmm. So for me, the the love for both uh, sci-fi and post-apocalyptic movies kind of grew at the same time from from when I was about eight years old. So I think there is probably an argument to be made that post-apocalyptic films are also science fiction films. Oh, yeah. You know, unless it happens, yeah. <laughs> which, you know, some pand- if you watch Contagion, that's quite scary if you watch that now because it's all about a pandemic and how the world would react. Some mm-hmm. of it's right, some of it's, you know, not so much. Um, I think I was about 10 or 11, I think. So I'd seen Mad Max. Mm-hmm. And then and then I latched onto these films, which are Italian films that, as far as I know, were shot in Italy, but looked like they were shot in New York. So there was the Bronx Warriors and Bronx Warriors 2 were mm-hmm. these Italian movies, but it kind of looks like some of them were shot in New York. And these were all the the world's broken down, the gangs ruled the, the, the streets, and everybody's just trying to... You had gangs going around on rollerblades, you had... There was one gang that had top hats and stick, and they would, <laughs> and they would all. So really cheesy stuff. But I, to date, to this day, I still watch those sort of things. But yeah. then I latched on to, I I like the pure escapism, of these sort of crazy science fiction slash apocalypse stuff. Things like Space Hunter, Adventures in the Forbidden Zone, which is a science fiction movie, but is also set on worlds that have just gone to hell. So that was a bit of a crossover. Uh, Blade Runner, obviously, which is sci-fi and also doesn't look like a very pleasant world to to live <laughs> in. What, what's your thoughts on Blade Runner? Uh, Blade Runner is great. Um, again, it was one I watched when I was very young. Um, the you know again, um, it's a world that is you know different but not a world I would want to live in. Um, I still go back to kind of your zombie kind of outbreaks and and that kind of stuff. But, yeah, I think the first time I saw Blade Runner, I must have been, I don't know, 10 years old, something like that. I think it's about 13, I think. I didn't like it. I didn't like it for quite a few years because it's like I became used to Harrison Ford as either Indiana Jones (laughs) <laughs> or or Han Solo, and to see Harrison Ford in Blade Runner just moping around in the rain, just you know, there a couple of fight scenes and stuff in it, but I didn't fully get it until yeah. I was a little bit older, and now I love the movie. But it just, yeah, as a kid, I'm like, you know, it's not one of those where like, I'd love to have seen that at the cinema. Now yeah. I would, because I'm an adult. But as a kid, I had no no real interest in going to see Blade Runner. Mm-hmm. I was more excited about Superman and star wars and, and stuff like that so uh let's let's go on sorry no, you carry up uh something that i found uh interesting when when you look at the world of um 
post-apocalyptic films or also TV shows. Um, the UK, which is usually seen as kind of lagging behind on, on films, at least, um, you know, kind of 10, 20, 30 years ago, um, we seem to have done some cracking stuff. Um, you know, it's something that really um, seems to excel over here. Um, you know, for me, the the big ones were like kind of uh, 28 weeks, 28 mm-hmm. days later. Yep, I prefer um, 28 weeks to 28 <clears throat> days. I love 28 days, but I just love that the second one just yeah. starts and does not let up all the way through. So I do prefer number two. I just wish they would hurry up and do 28 months later. Bring it on. <laughs> do it. I'll stop. But... but like, and then kind of moving on from that, I remember stumbling across uh, Doomsday with Bob Hoskins yeah, and watching that movie. And it really blew me away. I thought, you know, this is just not what I expect kind of British movies to be like. Um, you know, they, they always, to me, seemed um, kind of very poor uh, versions of the movies that come out of Hollywood, but you know the you know I think in the post-apocalyptic genre we we do really well, and then obviously um, kind of movies the the comedic ones like Shaun of the Dead as well uh, with Simon yeah. Pegg, um, you know a great take that I don't think um, would be done anywhere else because I think there's that kind of affinity between. Um, people in the UK and pubs and, um, you know, just the kind of humour that's in there and the kind of where they go, you know, well, you know, we've got to, you know, we've got to go somewhere safe. Where should we go? We'll go to the pub. Yeah, so it's definitely, it has its roots in the UK, doesn't it? Shaun of the yeah. Dead. Talking British films, though, is, have you ever seen Threads? I haven't. I've, I've, I've obviously heard talk about it especially when the social media platform came out everybody was comparing it to uh, <laughs> yeah, to the movie um but i haven't actually got around to seeing that one yet so the threads is an interesting one because it came out in 1984 so you got to mm-hmm. transplant yourself way back to uh, 1984 when there were only four tv channels so we have mm-hmm. bbc one bbc two itv Channel 4, I believe, had started in like 82 or 83, if I remember rightly enough. Uh, and they just, yeah, TV movie on BBC One, nine o'clock at night. We've got a movie, Threads, bing. So all the kids sat down to watch it. Everybody sat down to watch it. Oh, my God, it is one of the most horrific, in a good way, things that was ever on TV. The certain things that have been on television over the years that everybody remembers now, things like Ghost Watch, if you watched that back in the day, everybody's like, oh my God, do you remember Ghost Watch? Uh, Threads was one of those. So it's it's a UK-based thing. It's a, it's a narrative thing, but it's it has a documentary feel to it. Mm-hmm. And it is about what a nuclear blast in Sheffield uh, would do to the uk and it is the most nightmare inducing thing that a kid of like 13 or whatever could see on tv it was one of those things you watched and then when you went to school the day after everybody did you watch it did you say oh my god it's horrific and it was only ever on tv once as far as i remember and Mm -hmm. so it was many many years before it was ever available on uh dvd and now you get it on blu-ray and stuff but i watched it probably about a year or two ago, just as a bit of a refresher. It's still pretty damn grim. 
really is grim. It's kind of like The Road, which you've not watched yet. No. Um, it is not a feel-good movie by any means. It's horrific as threads, but I would I would put that on any list of, uh, but, of stuff to watch. Didn't we over here as well? And 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 I think it was the BBC make, um, you know, back in the the eighties, I presume, um, Survivors. Yeah, that was probably that was. Um, I mean, there was an original Survivors, wasn't it? Like way, way back. I yeah. think that might have been early eighties or seventies or something. Yeah, and then they. But there then there was a, a new one. Reboot. More there recent. was a there was a two season reboot, which some of that was filmed just down the road from where where I live. Mm-hmm. Uh, I walked past one of the bits, but I recognise that, and that is really good. The two season, yeah. one, which is very very good, uh, th- and that reminded me a lot of Dave the Triffids, which again, there was yeah. a British mini series, which I always remember that being a lot longer than in fact it was. I think it was only like two episodes or something, but I always remember it being because obviously back in the day you watched it one week and then the next week. Mm-hmm. Nowadays you'd knock that out in a Friday evening, but Dave the Triffids. 28 days later, Survivors, uh, The Walking Dead, they all seem to start with somebody waking up in a hospital bed going, where's everybody gone? And then going out and just discovering that the whole world has gone to crap. Yeah, and I think I think the British films around it are kind of more gritty, more realistic, and... Um, you know, even even ones that you would think would be more comedic. Like, do you remember the um, the the Channel Four Dead Set, which was based around yeah. the Big Brother concept? So, yep. even had Davina McCall in there as uh, uh, playing herself, who uh, unfortunately, you know, gets bitten. And um, mm. you know, if somebody came and told you, you know, after after you'd watched Big Brother for a few years, oh, well, they're making a uh, a mini series about Big Brother, and it's just going to be um, about kind of like a, a zombie outbreak. You'd be thinking, "What a load of rubbish this is going to be!" But it was, it was so gritty and it was so graphic. Yeah, it was. Um, I, I, I had that on DVD. I don't know if I've still got it, but I did. I had it at one point. But uh, but yeah, it's good and, stuff. And then there's the 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 complete other end as well because. And I remember telling you about it, and at some point I'll make you watch it. Um, there was, and I think it was Channel 4 again, um, who came out with uh, the series Zomboat, which yeah. was about a, a zombie outbreak, I think, in Birmingham. And um, the the mode of transport, the group that the TV show follows to uh, escape the zombie outbreak is a canal boat. There is a lot of craziness. Yeah, it's weird. It's like you can have sort of comedy apocalypse type. And obviously, you've got Shaun of the Dead that we've mentioned. Mm-hmm. Uh, Zombievers, that's another one. I haven't seen yeah. it, but that just sounds absolutely insane. Uh, Cockneys v. Zombies. If you've not seen yes. Cockneys v. Zombies, that is a fantastic film. I, I'm always howling at that film. That's, that's pretty good. But it's weird. Death can be funny. It's very bizarre. Yeah. But talking about the grim, grim ones, have you ever seen Children of Men? Starring Clive Owen. I have great films. Super really good, film. super grim, but amazing. Really, some of the best camera work I've seen. Just to get a little bit geeky, but yeah, but that's pretty good. Yeah, I think there's there's something really special when you put on a zombie movie or a post-apocalyptic movie, and it's just 
it's just filmed in a way and and just looks so lifelike, so realistic um, that you know you completely think, yeah, this 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 could be real. I mean, I watched and I watched it pretty late in life. Not that I'm like seventy or anything, but uh, 1968's Night of the Living Dead. So mm-hmm. the George Romero one, I I was aware of the film. I'd seen little clips of it on uh, the TV screen in Halloween. So you see it and you're like, oh, mm-hmm. Night of the Living Dead. But I was so, not necessarily scared, but just so nervous to watch zombie films when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. And I didn't see Night of the Living Dead until the late 90s, I don't think it was. Because I'm like, why would I want to watch zombie stuff? It's people getting you know flesh ripped off and blood and i'm just not i can cope with stuff like that now but it's like why would i choose to watch films with people again <laughs> i just i just didn't it wasn't my sort of wheelhouse but this i knew that night of the living dead was an absolute classic and so i bought the only edition of the film that i could get at the time which would have been like 97 98 and it was a color vhs Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, I know the film's in black and white. Yeah. So, but I, so I don't want to watch bloody colorized version because they're never done right. And so I just turned the color off on the TV and watched it <laughs> the way it was intended. And to this Clever. day, Night of the Living Dead is one of my not only just favorite films, but it's definitely one of my favorite horror films. And mm-hmm. I had the pleasure of meeting George Romero years later when he was promoting Land of the Dead. Yeah. And so we had a nice little chat, and I met Tom Savini and you know, a few people from the, the dead universe, but I just adore the George Romero stuff. And I never feel the need to know what caused the zombie outbreak. So mm-hmm. I just, I believe it. They're there. It doesn't matter why they, you know, you're pointing a gun at me. I'm not going to go, why are you doing that, Rob? I'm just going to be like, holy shit, it's pointing a gun at me. I don't want to get shot. <laughs> I'm out of it. So there's that sort of stuff. But, uh, but yeah, and I think that's what got me into zombie films and making me realize, well, actually they're not all blood and guts. But then yeah. I made the mistake of watching Zombie Flesh Eaters, in which somebody gets a splinter through the eyeball. I'm like, ooh, maybe they are all blood and guts. <laughs> so I do choose my zombie films quite wisely. Mm-hmm. Um, and then obviously you look at something like Zombie Flesh Eaters or Dawn of the Dead or whatever, that on a violent scale, that doesn't even touch The Walking Dead. Some of the stuff you see in The Walking Dead is just mind-blowing for television. Yeah. Creepy stuff. But yet... Yeah. You know, people like me and you happily sit through it until, um, you know, the tiger gets bitten or a horse. The horse. Yeah. yeah. I can't remember what season it was with the horse, but I did. Oh, right. You tapped. Fuck this show, I'm out. Yeah. And I, did, I didn't go back for a couple of years. I'm like, I don't want to watch that show. I, I don't get it. And the thing is, like, in the same with the tiger, it's like, for me, I kind of get why. I mean, the, the Walking Dead thing with the horse there was a nice scene where you know all these people have been running from zombies for seasons trying to survive and they've no food and you know kid comes out of the bar and kill the kid because the kid's a zombie You're like yeah it's pretty horrific um and then they cut they go into this little field or clearing and there's a horse there and i thought you know what that that i love that scene mm-hmm. i absolutely love it because it's like they've been through all this misery and death and destruction and there's a horse there so there is some beauty in the world we have hope this is wonderful. And then later on in the episode, you see this ripped to bits horse corpse. And I'm like, fuck this show, I'm out. Done. <laughs> just t- I was really mad. I was really mad at it. I'm, I'm watching it again. And I didn't for a couple of years. And then I went back, started from scratch again, got over the horse park because I'm like, okay, I'll, I'll push through it. 
And then the CG tiger got killed. I'm like, what is show? And then I bailed out for like another 12 months. And it did end, end up finishing the run of The Walking Dead. I've got some of the spin-offs to watch, but I did go back. But I'm still pretty mad with that show for killing mm-hmm. the CGI tiger and, and yeah. killing the horse. Mm-hmm. Wasn't impressed. So whenever Daryl's walking around with dog, I'm like, don't do it. <laughs> don't do it. Or I will, third time, I will not come back to that show. Um. You spoke about liking um, seeing how um, a zombie outbreak happened, but but without seeing it happen, so not knowing where it came from. Yeah, it's just I never feel the need to know. Do you know when like well, a film when a film comes out nowadays and you always see people online going, "I didn't like that film. Why? Because it didn't tell me why the spaceship crashed." You're like, "Well, it doesn't matter why it crashed. It just crashed. You don't need to know everything about why did Hannibal Lecter become a serial killer? Why yeah. did Michael Myers get out? I don't care about Michael Myers' backstory. It's just Michael Myers is coming to get me. I need to run and stab him with a you know, coat hanger. But <laughs> it's it is interesting to watch how it happens. But I think that is. Um kind of some of the charm in some of the other post-apocalyptic movies that I love, which is like A Quiet Place and A Quiet Place Part 2. You've also got Bird Box and Bird Box Barcelona. And, you know, you watch Bird Box all the way through, you never see the the big bad. No. Um, you know, it, it's so well done. All you see is the reactions and what it makes people do. Uh, that's um, what that's what interests me more, I think. mm uh, I mean, sometimes it's nice to see what caused whatever it was, but I never feel cheated if they just don't tell me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I, I got very excited when The Walking Dead had been on and then they announced we're going to do Fear the Walking Dead and they're going to set it at the beginning and we're going to get to <laughs> see we're going to get to see the outbreak and see what happened. Not necessarily find out why it happened, but mm-hmm. I'm like. I don't know why there's this weird perversion about let me show people in chaos. Yeah, the immediate. I want to see that. I want to see people going, what's this thing? What's going on? Oh my God, people are attacking each other. This is crazy. I want to see society collapse. Um, and they kind of did it for a few episodes and then they went, yeah, we're not going to bother with that. We're just going to move on. You know, like, yeah, fast just, forward two years. You've, what? Just, you've just ruined what I got really excited about with the walk, with Fear the Walking Dead because it's like, I want to see the beginning. Yeah. Rather than just have Andrew Lincoln wake up and go, where's everybody gone? Where's my hat? Put my hat on and then just go walk right into an apocalypse. But So that was a bit of a letdown from, with Fear the Walking Dead for me. Well, yeah, when you watch the, the first few episodes, it almost has that feeling of the purge. Yes, um, I love you know, the purge. You've got people kind of hiding in shops, um, you know, might lock the door and hold a baseball back hearing the chaos that's going out outside. And you don't know if the person who's going to kind of burst through that door is the zombie or, or just somebody trying to loot the place or, or cause havoc. And, you know, it, it is a whole different scenario than kind of, you see as the walking dead um, had moved on and it was just this uh, decimated world filled with zombies that, you know, as time went on, got slower um, because they were decomposing and weren't able to kind of move as fast and had been stuck in swamps or, um, you know, merged as a tree had grown through them or whatever it may be. Um, You know, it was very much a slowed pace, whereas those first few episodes of Fear the Walking Dead were very hectic, very kind of scary 
people not knowing what to do, where to go, hiding. It, it was a completely different um, kind of feeling. And, yeah, I think they they could have spent, uh, you know, a lot more time kind of exploring that than uh, quickly moving on and getting to the point where we, we'd already seen. Because that's what they promised with the show, wasn't it? We're going to take you back. And I'm really excited about that. But we talked at the beginning of this conversation about films that maybe people are going to go, that's not an apocalyptic film. I would put the Purge movies and the Purge TV shows in my choices. I know there's no real apocalypse gone off, but the world's gone to crap. And there was one yeah. night a year when everybody murders each other if they want to. So to me, that's a bit of an apocalypse. But mm-hmm. uh, the first Purge combines uh, home invasion versus mm-hmm. uh, and apocalyptic stuff which i absolutely adore the first purge film i i like them all including the two yeah. seasons of the tv show i think Me it's too. great i really want them to make more but mm-hmm. i don't know if they are doing but uh, yeah i think where they left the last movie it it they they could do more but they it, it was kind of a a good way for them to sign off yeah don't sign off bring give me more of what i want yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so there was there was something I was going to say as well. I forgot what it was, and then I, I just got derailed by the amazingness of the purge. Well, the what, one of the weird things about the purge to me, when you watch it, not weird in a bad way, weird in a very good way, is it kind of busts all the usual stereotypes for for kind of um, horror or, or post apocalyptic because you you've got scenes in there where you've got kind of the teenage girls dressing up and kind of terrorizing people and usually they'd be written into roles where they were the ones being terrorized by your michael myers or whoever but the roles were reversed and and that's great to see and it's something different and um kind of unique and actually quite believable as well yeah i could look at the purge and go okay other than the fact that you've got one night every year when people could kill each other uh, and then people behave for the rest of the night. So I don't think that second part would ever happen. It's, it feels very reality based, mm. I think. And I think that's what freaks me the hell out. Obviously it's also the first one's a home invasion movie. Uh, and I love, love those, but they also freak me out. So we were, we were talking about watching society crumble. I've actually remembered what I was going to say. And I know you'd love this film. You've seen, the two of them, I've only seen one, but Train to Busan, oh. which I've seen the first one, but I haven't seen Peninsula yet. Yeah, and, you know, we, we've spoke on podcasts before about Peninsula. Um, I absolutely love it. Other people, not so much. Um, one of the big criticisms is the amount of CGI, but to me, I can get over that. You know, um, CGI is one of those things. we We've had it for years, and we're going to continue having it uh you know into the future um but yeah train to busan um you know again it was something that i watched the wrong way around so i watched peninsula first (laughs) it's a habit this is a habit you seem to do rob well this is thank you amazon you know amazon says you know what we'll give you peninsula for free but if you want to go back and watch train to train to busan you've got to pay for it and i have to say it worked on that occasion amazon kind of you know got me hands up um, I literally finished Peninsula and went, oh, there's another one, Train to Busan. Oh, you have to pay for it. Okay. And I'll off do, I went. Do it. And which yeah. did you prefer, though, if you had to choose between Busan and Peninsula? Um, 
That's a hard question because they're two very different movies. Obviously, Train to Busan is, um, you know, very much set in um, kind of a, a train environment, um, whereas Peninsula is opened up um, to to the world where you've got um, survivors in kind of a colony um, who are getting attacked on a regular basis and. Um, so they are very, uh, very different. Um, I can't go one way or the other. I really no, do fine. like them both. Yeah. If they're both, if they're both different, then yeah, that's fine. While we're talking zombies on trains, or certainly apocalyptic worlds on trains, one film I really do want to watch, but I've just never got around to seeing it. Is Snowpiercer. Snowpiercer. Now you see, I haven't watched the film, but I have watched Snowpiercer, the TV series. I've seen some of the episodes of the TV mm-hmm. series and I liked it, but I really yeah. do want to watch the movie at some point. Uh, to me, it seems a bit far-fetched just because the whole premise is you've got this train, there's been uh, a worldwide catastrophe, the train continues to move around the globe um, and you have like kind of the first-class passengers, which are the, your people with all the money, they sit around all day being waited on hand and foot they have great meals and great you know fantastic bottles of wine and all that kind of stuff um then you've got kind of the the middle class who you know they're they're doing bits and bobs that you know they don't live that kind of luxury lifestyle but it's still you know a decent living but then you've got kind of your, your third class who basically have to do everything for everyone get fed scraps of food are treated like cattle um and to me i look at it and go that wouldn't happen it, it does would, that, today look at the government we've got well, <laughs> with their expense accounts well what i'm saying is <laughs> the whole train would be filled with first class passengers and then only kind of a couple of weeks in when everything starts to kind of dwindle and they need some um somebody to do some heavy labor they go oh who are we going to get to do that then (laughs) yeah they probably would exactly i'm not doing it (laughs) well it's one of those things if you imagine if everyone in the world was a millionaire then actually a millionaire's lifestyle wouldn't be that good because you would have to go out and do you know manual jobs to still have to be a millionaire who was in a factory you know packaging sandwiches for the tesco tesco shop i i always say that about movies it's like if every film that came out was amazing there would be no amazing films because Mm. none would none would be better than the other they would all be like oh my god that's great and then everything would just be like "Eh." Mm. i'm kind of bored with amazing films because they're all amazing give me something better than amazing yeah and that just doesn't work i can't believe we've got near enough an hour into talking about um apocalyptic movies and we've not mentioned james cameron (laughs) (laughs) is <laughs> you know terminator one terminator two the abyss which was very nearly an apocalypse you know yeah. thankfully those aliens didn't didn't do what they did uh aliens to a certain extent but definitely the, the first two terminator movies what's oh, your yeah. thoughts on those and when did you first see them and let me guess you watched the second one first did you <laughs> no i saw i saw the original terminator no nice. second um <sighs> How old was I? I mean, eighty-four. The first one came out. You weren't even a, you weren't even a little baby John Connor then. 
No, I, I'm going to say probably maybe 13, 14 years old, something like that. Right. So I was about 15. So on, I think it probably would have been TV or maybe it was a rental VHS back in the old mm. uh, Orion days when they used to release stuff. But I, I still to this day prefer the first Terminator to the second one because mm. I, I like the darkness of the first one. Whereas, yes, the, spe- the special effects and stuff in Terminator 2 Judgment Day are a lot better and the film's longer and it's more popcorny. It's not quite as dark as the, no. first, as the first one. The first Terminator feels apocalyptic, but also a sci-fi horror film. Whereas the it, second one's like action blockbuster. I think watching the first Terminator film, one of my immediate thoughts was, I don't want to be walking down any dark alleys at night. Yeah. And if there's a flash of light, then run the other way. I'm off. There's some naked dude just appears in front of me. I'm off. I'm legging it. Oh, you'd be okay with Terminator 3, though, with the, with the lady Terminator, perhaps. Christine yeah. Walken. So uh, that might be and obviously, diff- you know, the Terminator movies and franchise hasn't kind of scarred me that badly because uh i'm i'm one that kind of uh, enjoys artificial intelligence uh, mm. and uh or, or, you know I, I still don't think skynet's going to come from ai uh, i tell you it's going to happen and james cameron will be like how many times did <laughs> i have to tell you that you've just you've just killed yourselves. <laughs> you've just you've just ruined it. Uh, I'm so going to fire a few at you and let me know if you've seen them and if you haven't. I will try and just give you recommendations. Twelve Monkeys, good film. Uh, TV series as well, which I've not seen the TV series. Yeah, of it, I haven't I'm, seen the TV series. Uh, this is a movie, but I have seen some of the TV series, The Handmaid's Tale. Um, I saw the series first, then watched the movie. And have you finished the series? Yeah, I I, I literally kind of, I want to say, went in on season three or something like that and um, thought, you know what? I've heard people talk about this, including Stuart, mm. saying how good it was. And I just thought it was a thing about people who look after babies. So um, well, it's kind of, you know. So you know what? I'm going to give it a go. Uh, that 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 Stuart comes up with a few good ideas every now and again. So I yeah, watched the first episode and ended up binging the whole series in in probably like two weeks. I need um, to go back. So I watched season one in its entirety. I watched about half of season two, and then for some reason I'm like, oh, other things are going on, and it's been so many years. Obviously, there's been like five seasons of it, or whatever. Mm. Uh, so I probably will go back to the beginning. And just go right. The only thing I'm watching from now till the end is The Handmaid's Tale because I did mm-hmm. stupidly dark. It's oh like, yeah. Oh, it's grim, grim, but um, but worth watching. I think. Do you find yourself and I think it uh, is one of those things, especially with um, movies that are dark or kind of resonate with you because they involve kids in my case or something like that and you find yourself watching it and a, and a particular bit will happen and you'll go no go on what i'll what i'd do in this case is i'd i'd grab that and I'd stick it in his throat and i'd do this and i'd do that <laughs> yeah i mean i don't quite do it to that level <laughs> uh, and obviously i don't have the kids thing where i'm like i'm a parent because i'm not but i can imagine that um and certainly i think with handmaid's tale if you're a, a woman I oh, think yeah. that's even tougher to watch. 
Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a there's a scene which I think is the opener to season two, where they're just going to hang them all. Yeah, and then it turns out they don't. But the, the, a lot of people were mad when that episode came out because they're like, "What am I watching? I don't want to watch this. This is the most horrific thing I've ever seen." And it yeah. is a is a brutal season opener. Yeah, but uh, but at some point I'll go back and watch that. Um, one that I so talked about post-apocalyptic films that I'd kind of forgotten were post-apocalyptic, but obviously they are. The Matrix. The Matrix. Now, interesting, that one. Um, Completely agree with you, post-apocalyptic. I enjoyed watching The Matrix when it originally came out. But then, you know, after we had the original run of movies and then we had um, the, the latest one, I went back and I just thought, you know what? I'm not into this anymore for even whatever re- reason. Even rewatching the first one. Yeah. Oh wow! See, I haven't seen I, the first one for a while. I just but... wanted. I just wanted to tap. I, I, I don't know. And the daft thing is that the Matrix is, you know, one of those post-apocalyptic movies that could be a hundred percent true. You know, every. You know, if you if you one that reads kind of like the scientific news, and we when you get into quantum computing and computers that can calculate um, kind of um, different outcomes, um, you know, you you see that scientists say the closer we get to this technology and the more we refine it, the higher probability of us actually being a program and somebody else, somebody's um, kind of quantum computer somewhere. I mean, I like the Matrix films, but I haven't. I've seen the fourth one. That's the most yeah. recent time I've ever watched the Matrix. I like number one. Number two's okay. I really do not like number three. A lot of people bash the crap out of that film. And number four was all right, but yeah, it's not a series. I don't think I own them, mm. and I don't think any of the Matrix films are in my top 150 films. Yeah. Uh, I think that a film that's definitely in my list and I'm thinking you're probably a fan of it because uh, you like Kevin Costner, Waterworld. Waterworld, you know, absolutely slated. You <laughs> know, Kevin film. Costner had to use his own money to finance the film, you know, and kind of almost bankrupt himself. Um, but it's got everything, you know. It's got Kevin Costner, of course, which, you know... I. You know, before Nick Cage, Kevin Costner was my guy. Um, and, yeah, he's got all the thrills, the action. You know, to me, you watch that film now and um, it almost feels a bit like going and watching a Disney show at Disneyland. Which I, well, I, I saw the Waterworld show at Universal Studios. Yeah. Uh, and I filmed it all. And I, I stuck it on YouTube like last year when we were doing the let's just find any content, stick it on a YouTube channel. <laughs> and I put my the Waterworld thing that I shot that's the thing. It's lending like four figures worth of views. Wow. People are watching the damn thing and you're like, wow. But it was a cool well, show to watch. And that's the thing, you know, if, if you, you know, on a tangent, um, go off and talk about Disney um, or Universal, these things only have a limited shelf life and then they change it for something new. So, you know, people who, you know, a lot of people, if they are lucky enough to go to Disney, may only go to Disney once in their life. And, if that's something that you know you saw when you were at Disney, you want to kind of go and relive some of that nostalgia. For me, um, I've only been to um, Disneyland Paris when it was Euro Disney, and the thing that sticks in my mind is the Michael Jacks- Jackson's Captain EO 
um, kind of film that was specifically shot shot for Disney and wasn't available anywhere else. So, you know, it was your only chance to see that uh, film. And I'm willing to bet it isn't available now at Disney because poor old Michael has, uh, you know, not had the best press in the past bunch of years. No. But you got to see it. Yes. So, obviously, we can't cover every single post-apocalyptic movie or TV show that is out there. But like, what, we can't, what? but there is one that I do want to quickly cover before you go on to your next segment. Yeah. And that is, did you feel the same way about the Maze Runner trilogy that I did? I watched the original Maze Runner film and I thought it was the best film ever. It was so well written. It was just amazing. And then the second that I, it seemed to be years and years, I was waiting for that film. The second came out and then the third and they just didn't live up anywhere (laughs) near to, to what the first film was. I feel exactly the same. Number one was great. I love number one. Mm -hmm. You call yes as a second one. Oh, Oh, well, maybe the third one's better. No, it wasn't. It, it just it just fell right off a cliff. However, The Hunger Games is a, uh, is a, is a solid series, I think. It is. Uh, and especially if you binge watch them. If mm-hmm. you watch them like, da, 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 so don't watch them like a year apart, yeah. then that is a very good series. Well, to, I, dropped, uh, I dropped in late on The Hunger Games. I watched The Hunger Games when they'd all been released. Um, and, it, and I think it arose from... Um, I'd seen somebody um, cosplay as Katniss, and I was like, who is this character? You know, what is this film? Oh, I'll go and give it a go, and then, yeah, just literally binged and watched them all. And then I think it's this month or next month, the prequel comes out, which I do want to watch, Hunger Games, Songbirds and Snakes, whatever it's called, Mm -hmm. but I'll probably just wait for that to drop onto disc, I think. Uh, Also another, I think it's Utopian or just whichever one it is, the Divergent series. Yeah. I really liked the first one, but I never finished the series because they didn't finish oh, wow. the series. They didn't bother. So I'm like, why am I going to watch an incomplete series of films? So I've never seen beyond the first one. It's worth watching. I, I kind of, I discovered, you know, to me, probably the Divergent series and the Hunger Games um, were out at similar um, mm. times. And whilst I didn't watch the Hunger Games until after they'd all been released, and uh, just out of curiosity, um, I'd seen whether it be at the cinema or on um, online somehow. I'd seen uh, a trailer for the Divergent series, and I thought I've got to watch this movie. And yeah, watched the first one, watched the second one, and just just absolutely fell in love with that as a series. And then they didn't do the fourth one. <laughs> it's like thanks a bunch. So I'm going to open it up to some of the favourite ones that some of them we might have mentioned, some of them we might not have. I'm going to let TV be included into this as well because there's a lot of decent apocalyptic TV stuff. I think the apocalyptic landscape works better on TV because you've got so much more runtime. Mm-hmm. So something like The Walking Dead, which ran a whole boat, it's still running. So you've got God knows how many hours in total of that world. Also something like Jericho, if you remember Jericho, Jericho, yeah, I was so disappointed when Jericho was cancelled that I um, I went out, I bought the domain name SaveJericho.co.uk, <laughs> put a website on there, and uh, the studio still didn't listen to me. I don't know why, um, but yeah, I, I was so disappointed that, that Jericho ended so soon. That was a good series, though. 
That was one. I didn't watch it when it was on TV, but I picked up the season box sets. Mm-hmm. Uh, certainly the first one when that came out and just plowed through that pretty much. But so what is, if you have to choose some of your, your very, very favorite ones, mm-hmm. what would, what would it be? You're obviously going to put the book of Eli on once you've watched that. <laughs> you haven't seen the book of Eli yet. So therefore, you know, it's okay. That's not, that's not on the list. Well, I'll get, um, I'll get TV out of the way um, because The Walking Dead obviously um, is there. Um, the Last of Us, I never knew anything about it. I didn't play the computer games, but when when The Last of Us TV series came out, I was absolutely hooped. Watched it all the way through, and I'm just waiting on the second season going, come on. Two years you've got before that comes out. Oof. That's it's, why I've not, it's too long. That's why I've not watched season one. I do have yeah. it, but I'm like, if... I don't know what I'm missing yet because mm. I haven't watched it. So if I don't have same with Dune part one, it's like I've had the Blu-ray in the other room since it came out on Blu-ray, but I've not watched it. I'll wait until part two is there and then yeah. I'll just, I'll watch a completed story. I hate waiting and forgetting about what the thing I've watched previously. So the last of us is kind of like that. Yeah. Um, movies is harder because there's, you know, there's, so many great movies. Um, Army of the Dead. I think that's a standout yeah, movie. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, very well done. And then even the sequel. Um, you know, it, you, you kind of get away from the, the zombies, and you know, it's uh, a bank about a bank heist, really. Mm-hmm. But it, it's it's just you know just pulls you in the whole that whole world kind of. Uh, is great, and I'd love to see kind of many, many more films set in that world. Well, I think uh, are, are we supposed to be getting another Army of the Dead? I know that Zack Snyder's still got this deal with Netflix, but he's been I, working I on this film called Rebel Three. So yeah, possibly. I thought so, but he's been working on Rebel Moon for Netflix. Yeah. Uh, so I don't know what's happened with this, but uh, Army of the Dead thing. But I'm hoping we get it. Yeah. So if I have to choose my all-time, it is TV. But I always, I always try and sandwich it into a film list if ever I can get away with it. Because whenever I watch it, I watch it in its full six hours in a one And mm-hmm. it's Stephen King's The Stand. Okay, yeah. Which, it's one of the only books I've read. As in like, and I'm presuming you're going to say the original? The original one, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I worked in the video store um, when this was due to hit VHS, which around 94-ish, it was coming out. And I'd seen the trailer. I'm like, oh, my God, this is like the end of the world. And it's a six-hour thing. Because they were they were few and far between. There weren't really mm-hmm. many post-apocalyptic epic things that lasted that long on TV. I mean, obviously, you had, like, tripods and all that sort of stuff way back when. But for this sort of thing, I'm like, oh, my God, six hours? That is going to be amazing. So we, in the video store, we got one copy of each tape split over two two tapes. So obviously volume one, volume two. So they mm-hmm. came in with one copy of each. I put the out on higher things in. As soon as my boss went home, I'm like, I'm having that. Because <laughs> um, we weren't really supposed to take the new films home on, you know, like as soon as they came out, because obviously they want people to pay money rather than let the staff have them for free. So I waited until the shop closed at 10 o'clock at night, went right, bye, see ya, locked up, went back an hour later. <laughs> sneaked, sneaked into the shop, 
borrowed volume one, stupidly didn't borrow both volumes, I don't know why, uh, went home and duplicated it <laughs> and then went back in, put volume one back, got volume two, went home, duplicated that as well, you know, the, the twin tapes thing and whatnot. Yeah. And I watched that in a one And then I have probably seen the entire six hours 19 times, I think, at my last count. I remember telling that to Mick Garris when I had the pleasure of meeting him. I'm like, oh, my God, uh, I've seen this like 18 times at that time. He's like, really? He just laughed. Probably thought <laughs> yeah. I was a bit obsessive. But I just love Stephen King's The Stand, the original one. I prefer yeah. it to the new one because I think there's a little bit more hope in the original one. It feels a little bit lighter tone. Mm -hmm. uh, rather than the remake but i love yeah. the music i love the casting molly ringwald in there matt frewer uh all sorts but i i never ever tire of watching this. i would live in that world yeah really would i don't know if i would go to the vegas and be live with the bad people because i kind of looked a bit more exciting <laughs> than it did living with the good people but maybe that says something about my character i don't know mm. but it would if there is a list stephen king's the stand is most definitely at the top of my favorite post-apocalyptic anythings so if you could live in any world would it be that that's the stand it wouldn't be um the walking dead or anything like that which one would you choose the, the walking dead might edge it out because the walking dead feels a little bit more real yeah uh, obviously the stand you've got the power of god coming down and mother abigail going oh you've got to go to boulder and all this sort of stuff and you're like Eh, I'm not a religious person, so that part is like, don't know if that's fully convinced me that that's a real world I'm watching. Uh, it's obviously a romantic vision of it, but The Walking Dead's like, get me a baseball bat, I'm going to give it a name, I'll put some nails in it, thunk, <laughs> got some food. So that feels like a world I could survive in, The yeah, Walking Dead, think, rather than The Stand. Like, you know, obviously, we, we can't compare it, we don't have zombies, Um you know, in, in this world, unless you talk about the uh, the alcoholics down the road who hang around the job centre. Or people on social media just share stuff without reading it. <laughs> yeah. Um, however, it, it does seem real. It seems to me, because when you, when you first watched The Walking Dead, you've got these huge hordes that just seem to be quicker and kind of more, you know, on... You quick off the mark, really. You know, it seems like you could be ambushed quite quickly. Whereas where The Walking Dead ends up, it's very much you can take a le leisurely stroll. Um, just look at the the wonderful scenery, and every now and again you'll come across a zombie, hit it on the head with a with a stick, and carry on walking. Yeah, I mean the fast zombies are definitely more terrifying, I think, than than sort of you know you go through fast zombies like Zack Snyder's Dawn of the Dead, yeah, uh, the Twenty Eight Days Late, which I know some people it's not a zombie movie, it's a vi fuck off, it's a zombie movie, whatever, get over it. Uh, the fast zombies are a, a lot more terrifying, especially when you put them in a horde. Yeah, well, one of my favourite um, movies, and it might be controversial because. Um, I think it got mixed reviews, but I really enjoyed uh, Jerusalem. Jerusalem. Okay, I'm not saying that one. Um, and and uh, yeah, that had got kind of a more uh, of a biblical feel to it. The zombies could kind of uh, they got wings and and things like that. But you know, it it it, it basically um, revolves around um, a group caught in 
Jerusalem. They'd gone there to have a, a fun holiday, and then this kind of invasion happened. And, you know, they're running down alleyways and streets, and it looks so realistic. It It is scary. You think, wow, I would not want to be there. Have you ever had, because I have on, on occasion, so by that I probably mean about... 10 times in my entire life. Have you had zombie nightmares? Um, I don't think I have. I haven't had the pleasure. Uh, I had many uh, a Freddy Krueger nightmare, but unfortunately that can't be classed <laughs> oh, as, uh, you know, post-apocalyptic. I don't think, no, I don't think scary, Freddy though. was everywhere. I think Freddy was no. just very much terrorizing a few select people. Say, so what am I sort of fear? I love how you know home invasion movies but also it is the never-ending horde mm-hmm. you know and we see films like that where you know if one or two people are chasing after you like whatever cut back you get them with your baseball bat whatever but if you've got like a thousand coming at you mm-hmm. you ain't you you're not doing anything without thousand you've literally no. got to run and if they surround you and you're in a house oh my you're you're screwed pretty much so that's one of my fears is a never-ending horde so sometimes when i um do watch something I, if that sort of dream Escape pops in my head. My God, it's terrifying. I have woke up sweating. The last time I had some sort of post-apocalyptic nightmare, and this is a film that I'm just going to loosely put in there on the list, was after I'd watched Evil Dead Rise, mm-hmm. which I'd watched at half ten at night because Annette was watching something downstairs. And I thought, I just want to watch something that's like 90 minutes, something that came out this year. I'll just put that on see what it's like. It is an amazing film, but it scared the shit out of me. And then when I went to sleep that night, I had like three sessions of nightmares, uh, all sort of connected to that. I was petrified, but it was amazing because, you know, nightmares are pretty cool. When you wake up, you're like, that was awesome. Yeah. Do it again. Well, I I, uh, I went through this phase because um, the first kind of real horror movies I watched was the Freddy Krueger box set when I was like 10 years old. Nice. Um, you know, me and a friend were watching it and we didn't get far. And then we were having a sleepover that night. We couldn't sleep. And then kind of growing up over the ne- the course of the, the next few years, I would have uh, Freddy Krueger nightmares. And they were really realistic, very scary. You know, like you say, wake up sweating and going, oh, my God. And then I hit a, a point where I was getting these dreams every night. And I just somehow learned to control them. And then I would have that dream. But because I could then, I realized partway through the dream, this is a dream. And this is, so I went through the routine of being able to control it. Then it was kind of the, you know, the tide had turned and um, I'd wake up going, that was a fun night. Yep. I just wish I could go to sleep and go, I'd like a nightmare tonight, please. Don't worry like that. They're just like wonderful little surprises. I'll put on the walking dead disc in my head tonight, yes. I used to be able to do that as, a, as in my younger years, though, is listen to something and it would sort of give me a type of dream. But for some reason, I never did it to purposely give me nightmares. Maybe I should have done, but... Uh, so hopefully nobody will have any nightmares after we've been talking tonight. Hopefully you don't. I don't think I will do. But yeah. is there, um, what's the next post-apocalyptic film you think you'll watch? I may go back and watch the Train to Busan movies, actually, after we've been yeah, talking about um, I think 
I'm going to have to get around to the Book of Eli sometime because you keep mentioning it. So once I track that down, either on, uh, um, you know, free to watch um, streaming or cheap enough at a CEX store or something like that, then uh, it may be that one. Um, other than that, I'm continu- I'm still continuing to watch all the, the Walking Dead spin-offs. Um, so, you know, that's very much alive and kind of compiling my list for today's episode. I actually want to go back and watch some of, um, the British stuff. I want to watch Doomsday again. I want to watch, um, Dead Set. I want to watch, um, Zomboat. Um, so I I can see some, uh, some very kind of British, um, post-apocalyptic movies and TV series coming my way. Well, when you've finished rewatching Doomsday on the on my YouTube channel, there is a Q and A uh, from the director and some of the cast from Doomsday that I filmed because I went to Newcastle Film Festival a few years back, so like 2018, I think it was, and they did a screening of Doomsday and Sean Pertwee was there, Neil Marshall was there, Craig Conway was there, and it was hosted by Jake West, who's a filmmaker himself, and so I'm sitting in the front row just filming them all talking about <laughs> Doomsday, so that's that's quite an interesting chat that they did. So once you've watched the movie again, go back and uh, go check that out, or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's very, very good. So I have what you to say, mm-hmm. um, you know, something that we didn't touch on, but I know happened, and and maybe a few people listening will know as well. You happened to get press access to San Diego Comic Con, um, where um, you had the Walking Dead panel, and it was just after the whole um, kind of Negan being introduced, and um, you know we'd had Glenn down on his knees. Well, they, they were all on the knees, but Glenn yeah, yeah. unfortunately was the one who lost his head. And wasn't it Abraham was the other character? Was that his character name? Yeah, you're right. And they were, so yeah, I'll sort of quickly go through the Walking Dead thing. So I got press access to go to San Diego Comic-Con and I got an email through going, hey, there's this Fox breakfast thing. Do you want, you know, if, who wants to go to that? And I'm like, I might as well apply to that. I'm never going to get it, but I'll apply. And I did. And it's like, what's what? What even is a fox breakfast? Is that where everybody sits and has breakfast? I have no, <laughs> I have no clue. Um, I did do a little video, which is also on the YouTube thing, and I called it "Experiencing Comic Con Deleted Scene," and it's me on the way to the breakfast, basically going, "I have no clue what I'm walking into. Uh, I don't know if I'm allowed to film anything. I don't know who's going to be there." I don't know um, where I'm going to be sitting. I really don't know how these things work. So I get to the press breakfast and I walk up to one of the stand, literally one of the first ones there. Uh, you know, Daryl walks past me outside. I'm like, holy shit, Norman Reed is just, he has the real rock star vibe about him. You look at it, everybody's looking at him going, it's one, one of them people that you meet. Um, so I walked up to one of the staff and I said, is there a specific, I'm super polite and things like this. I'm like, you know where do i sit can i she went sit wherever you want i'm like well like even at the front she went yeah and i'm like okay um am i allowed to film any of this because you know i'd quite like to blah blah doing this little documentary thing and i'd like a little bit i won't get anybody's way and like film wherever you want i'm like can i like film the whole thing and they're like yeah can i put little (laughs) can i put clips on on my channels and stuff they're like just do whatever you want it's fine so i'm like this is amazing so i sat on the front row 
right in front of the podium and there was 14 members of the cast and I did film the entire thing and that's also on the YouTube channel as well and that was just mental I got to ask Andrew Lincoln a question um so Jeffrey Dean Morgan was there and and um Stephen Young was there and the guy who played Abraham was there and you would not have been able to tell that neither of those were coming back the following season. People were asking them questions and they were answering them as if they were coming back. So it's as good as actors as as those are, they were brilliant in real life as well because you would never have been able to tell that either of those were not going to make it. Yeah. And it was very, very cool uh, to do that. And then straight after that one, there was another TV show called Outcast, Mm -hmm. which lasted a couple of seasons. And... I did a press breakfast with them and Philip Glenister was there and I got to ask him a question and it's, yeah, it's, it was definitely a weird thing, but the walking dead thing was very cool to just know you're sitting with them all, all in front and, of you. Yeah, they were right there. It wasn't even a stage, was it? It was literally, you could reach out and touch them. Yeah. Well, once they'd finished, I walked over and I spoke to Gail Ann Hurd, who's one of the producers of the walking dead, but also she's produced like all the James Cameron movies and stuff. I just walked over to her and I'm like, Thank you so much. Oh, no problem. And so I just walked up to them. I couldn't really get to them all, yeah. but I thought Gail Ann Heard to me is the biggest name of of them all. Uh, and I got to speak to Andrew Lincoln, so I'm like, tick that off. But I got to, and I told Annette that when I go there, I'm going to try and mention this TV show they did called Afterlife. Not the Ricky Gervais one, but previous one. And I did. I, so Andrew Lincoln heard me say Annette's name. So that got me lots of brand new points as well. <laughs> but uh yeah so that was one of my real life face-to-face post yeah that, that's definitely moments. one for for people to check out if they uh hop on over to your other videos and uh and have a look and then years later i got to sit down with pollyanna mcintosh who's also uh part of the walking dead universe so i i've mingled in that universe not the fleshy in you know i've never been in any danger but, no but it's the closest uh, you've been to yeah. uh, the apocalyptic world that we know. <laughs> well, that and sitting down with Mick Garris, which is also, you know, Stephen King's The Stand, that's also. So I have dipped my toes in the apocalypse. But, uh, <laughs> live but, to tell the tale. And live to tell the tale, yep. So um, anybody who watches this on the video side of things, let us know your favourite ones in the comments below. There's a little comments thing, just do it. The YouTube thing is something new that we're trying with topics um so we'll probably yeah, do. tell us if we've missed anything you know well, of course any we of these uh, you know fantastic recommendations that we just haven't spoke about who knows we could do a part two we've missed millions we've <laughs> missed millions of them obviously anybody who's listening to this on the audio version you can't really you know leave comments but you can send me a tweet or in chris's case probably an email with uh with like the most horrific uh, apocalyptic thing that you've ever seen i've probably never heard of it and probably never will watch it because it's probably violent and gruesome and insanely crazy not but a world we actually want to live in not a world we actually <laughs> want to live in no but uh yeah thank you very much rob so thank you. uh how have you enjoyed this sort of one oh, I love top, it. You one know, topic it's, episode it's just two two geeky friends sitting down having a having a conversation about something we both love so um yeah, I'm I'm good. Um, you know, if if and when we do the next one, you know, maybe it will be The Empire Strikes Back. Maybe it'll be the original uh, Star Wars: A New Hope. Well, uh, I, have top, I have Top Gun behind me here, and I have the soft, soft Sisters over there, and John Carpenter uh, behind me as well. So uh, I'm I'm in wonderful company. <laughs> so. 
All right, Rob. Well, I shall leave you to it for now, but you enjoy the rest of your evening. Thanks for taking a trip back into the apocalypse with me. That sounds yeah. good. Yes, that sounds cheesy, but I don't care. <laughs> uh, so there you go. You know, and, you know, hit the like, subscribe, all that good stuff that you hear everybody say. In there. It always it. makes me cringe when people say it, but I kind of get why they say it now. <laughs> and uh, yeah, too many people who sit and watch these videos and they do nothing. Just watch more. Watch. Do you know what? Yeah. If you want to, if you want to watch some of these videos, mute us. Don't even watch the video. Just minimize your window. It's fine because it boosts my watch hours. So I'm all for that. <laughs> so and so yeah, some... if you if you don't subscribe, then uh, we're going to send a bunch of zombies after you. <laughs> we are. And at some point, I'm going to try and persuade Rob to do a wrestling focused one of these. So therefore, I will know virtually nothing, and Rob will be the the genius behind it. But that that's in the early stages of planning. But that may be something that comes up for Rob's channel when your channel is Rob. What is your channel? My uh, my channel is that's pop culture um, here on YouTube. Uh, it's also um professional wrestling here on youtube as well uh if you want to see stuart get in the ring with me and uh well be chokeslammed to hell sounds a bit rude that but yeah i think i've seen that <laughs> but yeah you enjoy your evening rob you and too I will, uh, I will speak to you later yep goodbye bye bye Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.